I was gone this week, but I am glad to be back home, back, glad to be back here with all of you. Uh, I know that coronavirus is raging through the nation right now. It seems like it's on the milder side, but it seems like it's uh, being caught everywhere. Um, in this time of the great resignation, <laughs> the great resignation, didn't seem a lot of headlines about that. But God is good, and I'm thankful that you're here. Um, we will talk about it in the second half as well, but pray for those that are sick and those that are out. Um, I would like to turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, and I will start out with verse 18. And Jesus here is speaking, and he says, Assuredly, I say to you, Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two, or, if two of you agree on earth, touching anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am, or, in my name I am there in the midst of them. Lord Jesus, this is your church, this is your word. God, reach into our lives. We want to hear from you, God. We want it to be changed in the name of Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name. Today I'm coming to you. My title is All for One. All for One. Anytime I have that phrase in my mind, I think of the three musketeers, not the candy bar. All for one and one for all. Um, but today I want to talk to you for a little bit of time here about all for one. Um, in this passage here out of Matthew chapter 18, uh, I find it to be a kind of an exciting passage where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. And we get excited and, and sometimes when you're all alone and you are with two or three and you're feeling maybe a little depressed, then you try to encourage yourself and you say, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. But when I looked at this passage and I looked at it this last week, uh, I, I got a little more insight into it. Um, because Jesus is talking here, and he's talking specifically about the church. About the church. And this is the second time that Jesus has come, and, and just a few chapters before, chapter 16, he had talked to Peter, and he talked to him about the revelation, and he said, upon this rock I will build my church. But now Jesus addresses it again, and the church the church or the ecclesia or the, those that are called out into the public sphere, into the public space. And, and they're called out in a, um, in a sense like in the, the Greek and Roman times there where you were, you were identified as having political authority. You would get together. It was something that was blessed. And so Jesus here, they're looking for him to, to take over the world. And Jesus is comparing his people to those that are now going to be in a decision sort of making body. They're going to have authority. And, and he calls them the ecclesia. These that are called out into the public sphere. To meet. To get together. To discuss. And, and he talks about his church. And this two or three. Brother Donnie. I thought of you. Or Brother Danny. Sorry I called you Donnie today. But Danny. I think, I think both actually fit. <laughs> Brother Danny. Um, I thought of you guys today, because you're not just up in Norfolk as two people that decided to go. You're not two folks that are like, hey, you know, we think we're going to live up here, and 
we're just going to get together. No, you were sent there. Back in Louisiana, Brother Mangan, he said, yes, that's where you need to go. This church here, this body has sent you there. You, you're not there by accident, but you have been sent by the apostolic church. And so when you were sent, you became the church in Norfolk. And so when there is just two of you sitting there, and you're in a room, and you begin to, to call on God, you are there with authority. And it doesn't matter if there was two or 2,000. The level of authority does not change. And so this isn't where I'm over here and Sister Nancy and I are like, okay, well, we're just, we've decided that things are wrong with the world, and so we're going to do something about it. And, and maybe our attitudes aren't right. We're, we're over here. And, and I think sometimes we're, that's where that two or three gets a little confused. But now I want to flip that. Because Church of Omaha, you have been placed here for such a time as this. And the word and the anointing has gone out of, over this pulpit and words have been spoken to you, and you have been sent into your neighborhoods, into your jobs. And so while you're not in this building with everybody else here, when you're there and you say, God, we have been sent to this city. There is a problem that exists in my home, in my family, at my job, in my community, in my school, and I need you to move. Hallelujah. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And his stamp of approval is on you. And not just his stamp. I want you to know that the body, the church of the living God, has put their stamp on you. Your, your fellow brothers and sisters have gathered together in the name of Jesus. The word of God has gone out. And you are sent. And you have as much authority there as you have right here when you're standing in the, the, the presence of God. Hallelujah. Been sent. And so he tells them, if two of, you, or two of you agree on earth concerning anything that, that they ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. That means that you're in unity with Jesus Christ. You're not over there making up your own religion. You're not trying to get back at somebody here. But when you're under him and you're where God has placed you and he's called the church to be, you're now under his authority. And now that gives us a responsibility because we have to do something about it. We can't stand back and be complacent and say, man, you know, look at those problems over there. We got to do something, church. God has put us where we're at and we have authority. He gave us authority. He wants you to do something with what he gave you. So you would think that if you received this great news from God and you've been following him for three years... And you're all like, wait a second. He just put a stamp on us. He's bringing us into the public sphere. We're the ecclesia. That sounds pretty cool, better, even better than church, right? We're the ecclesia. And, and you're out there. You're, you're Peter. Man, you've already been told you, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Here's the keys. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed it to you. You know, you're bold, you're brash. So, Peter, how are we going to form this business, right? How are we going to go about this, Jesus? What, what are we going to do here? That would be the questions Peter would bring up, right? The Ecclesia, two or three. Man, we've got authority. Andrew, we've got authority. So, is that what Peter does? Yeah, here's Peter. So, uh, verse 21. Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? 
my brother sinned against me and I forgive him seven times? Peter is over here and he's tied up with, whew, in this passage where he told me the Ecclesia is two or three and we're going to have authority. He, forgiveness. He's, been, he's, he's told me about forgiveness. I wonder how often I need to forgive. I mean, you've just been given this authority and a mandate by God and you're like, I have to forgive them? He's all tied up over here. He immediately flows in. So how often do I need to forgive? Sister Dana, if, if I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you in position. You're going to get $5 million a year. I've got a position for you. And, and you're like, so do I have to get along with people? No, Sister Dana, we, we, we are putting you in charge, and we're going to pay you well, and you're going to have the nicest house in town, and, and we're taking care of you, and the company really thinks a lot. Of, so so and I have to, do I have to talk to the secretary? Like, that is not where my focus would be. It would be on, okay, so you're going to give me good payment, and you're putting me, giving me great responsibility, and I would be all torn up with that. Instead, Peter's over here. I, I've got to forgive, and, and seven times, and, and what's the limit, and... And Jesus, he says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. He's telling him, hey, forgiveness here isn't something that you keep track of. But I've got an attitude and a spirit that I want that you need to get a hold of, Peter. And it is looking at the other person, not at yourself. Not how often do I need to forgive. Oh, but that person needs my forgiveness. Jesus in this Matthew chapter 18 is reaching into the lost. He is desperate and he is hungry to save people who are struggling and who are out there. This is why Jesus came. Jesus gave all of himself so that he could reach one. Before I get too far ahead of myself, we should jump back to the beginning of Matthew chapter 18. At the start of Matthew chapter 18, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, I see this common thing here. Peter, how often do I need to forgive? The disciples, who's greatest? You got the sons of thunder, so who's going to be right here? You know, like, uh, mom's in the business. You know, wait, wait, where, where's our authority? Where's our position? What about me, Lord? We followed you for three and a half years. Surely we're going to get something out of the deal here. What? What's going to happen to us and these disciples who've witnessed all this greatness? And, and as Jesus is transitioning towards the cross, they're still like, so look at me here. What about me? I gave up a lot of stuff. And I am not putting down or making light of when you've given up so much. And neither was Jesus Christ. But he is trying to get your focus changed. Jesus didn't spend all this. You don't see him turn around and rebuke them. Instead, he's teaching them. He, he's like, hold on. I, 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 he, I probably would have been like, get over your attitude. <laughs> Don't you know I'm fixing to die on the cross? What are you doing? No, Jesus is teaching. And they ask, who's the greatest? And Jesus comes with this story and then a parable that, that I found quite well, interesting. Like I I'd never thought about the lost sheep parable in terms of the child. And Jesus says to the disciples, then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst and said, 
Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you by no means will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4 says, Therefore, whosoever humbles himself as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He says, hey, the kingdom of heaven, who's going to be first? Who's, who's, who's going to be right there? And, and Jesus says, who's going to be greatest? Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, you're not even getting into the kingdom of heaven unless you'll be like a child. And, unless you'll humble yourself. Unless you're going to be willing to bring yourself low and, and, and put on humility and, and, and change your attitude, you're not even going to get into this business. And that had to strike them a little bit. And it maybe was even a little bit offensive because they were like, okay, who's, who's going to be greatest here? And he's like, you need to humble yourself. You need to have an attitude change. You, you, you can't go on like this. I think this is good for, for us as apostolic Pentecostals. We need to go back and remember a little bit. I don't want to fall back into sin, but I think we need to remember what it was like when we were desperate for God to put his hand on our life. If we would get a little bit of that desperation, or I would like to say even a lot of it, and we would change our focus, and we would say, God, I really want you. And some preacher got up, or some teacher got up, or, or I saw something in someone else's life, and, 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 and I want what you say is in this book. I want you, God of glory. Jesus, I want you. Will you come and be with me? Will you forgive me of all of my sins? Will you heal me of my past? I want you, Jesus. Oh, if we could remember that. We, we didn't care about was I right or was I wrong. We were like, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want my soul to be forever lost. I want that joy and that peace that you bring. If you've gone through tremendous heartache and hurt, and I dare say we all at some point have. If you felt like there was no point to life, and I think to one degree or another, we all have. If we've been there and we've wondered what's even the point. When we've, if we felt that, that low self-esteem and we felt like we've been crushed by our situation or the world. And I think you all probably have. You weren't, you were just desperate. And when God's hand came in and you felt that love, that warmth of his love wash all over you, you were like, hold on. Jesus, I want you. I want you. The tears began to flow as you raised your hands up and you began to love him. Oh, you! Some, uh, I've stood and the, the tears just flowed down my face and uncontrollably. Oh, God, I love you. And I thanked him for his forgiveness. I thanked him that a God who is without sin would be so interested in my sin. And he would take it. And those feelings of guilt and condemnation, they, wet, they swept off of my life. If you would remember that as a Pente apostolic Pentecostal, and you came before God, and you were with your, your I'm sorry, and you would just be thankful for the work that he did in your life. Then when you see somebody else, you would not be like, 
We're the called out ones. We're the ecclesia, and we've been saved by Jesus Christ, and his stamp of approval is on us. That is not why God called you. But he called you to save you, and he called you then to use you to save somebody else. So Jesus, he highlights this little child, and, and he talks about their humility and and you could get caught up in the moment here because Jesus, as he's unfolding this, this topic on the child, talks about those that offend the child. And it would be better that a millstone be hung around their neck. And I immediately think of cruel and evil things that have happened to children in the world. Cruel humans. And you'll read them in the headlines. I read some this last week. And, and you're like, what kind of dad could do something like that to a little child? And you go back and you see how God views and how he describes children. And he's like, it'd be better that they had a millstone and they're thrown into the sea. And, and watch what you do to children. And so I could just sideline for a moment. Don't be abusing your children. They're a precious gift given by God. And whether they're your biological child or they're a child you're working with back here in this church or that you're working in the school system, or whatever position you're in. They are a helpless little thing that God has put in your life to begin his forming process in them. Because God wants to make them into his image, and he is using you in their life. So be careful with your children. Do right by your children. And, and, and have regard for other people's children. Stand up for wrong. And do right. We have a lot of evil in this world. A lot of evil. But then Jesus isn't just talking about a real little child. Because he's told us that we need to humble ourselves as children. And right there I get a little bit of excitement. Because you know what you have, Brother Terry? When you've humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God... And you've become as that little child. And there's somebody over here. And the enemy of your soul. And he's coming against you. And maybe he's coming against you through somebody else out there. And they're, they're attacking you. And the king of glory is like, hold on. This is my humble child right over here. What are you doing? You keep your hands off of him. I, I put my protection around him. My eyes are on him. You know when you humble yourself before God, you don't strike back with a fist when somebody strikes a fist at you. You're under the protection of Jesus Christ. He's looking out for you. Oh, right attitude matters. When you want the blessing of God, your attitude matters. Keep yourself humble. Keep yourself approaching Jesus Christ. When you look over and somebody's doing wrong against you, recognize that they're bound by Satan and that they need the deliverance of Jesus Christ. Have mercy on them. I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit here too. So then Jesus begins to unfold a parable. And if you're reading Matthew chapter 18, you're like, okay, we jump from children to sheep. Jesus says in verse 12, What do you think? If a man have a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine to go to the mountains to seek the one? And if he should find it assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish? Or 
these little ones should perish. God is saying, hey, now I see it, Lord. These little ones, at first I thought maybe you were just talking about me. Brother Anderson, I thought maybe, was God just maybe talking about me here in the church? But he says one of these should go astray. He's looking for somebody out there that's gotten themselves all wrapped up, maybe out in the corner of the world. You haven't set them, seen, or seen them sit on the pew for a while. Maybe, maybe their mom and dad told them about this. I mean, maybe they don't really know much about this. But they're out there, and they're like that man that came and said, Woe unto me, a sinner, as he beat his chest. And, and they're out there, and they're broken. And Jesus is saying, Hey, if I got 99 sheep over here, and there's one out there, and they're humble, and they're broken, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be walking out of this church house here, and I'm going to be over here searching. And if you want to know where Jesus is at, He's over here and he's looking because he hears that cry. He hears that man and he hears that little weep over here. And he says, there's a child. There's somebody broken and I need to get them and I need to reach them. And I'm going to search for them and I'm going to dig them out and I'm going to save them. Why? Because there might be 99 here, but the one matters. And there's a lie that gets propagated from the pit of hell that says you do not matter. It's more about the group. It's more about the big picture. And Jesus is saying it's more about the one. It's more about the one. Oh, that is so counterculture. We build great businesses and they lay off some employees to keep the big mission and business afloat. But the mission of God is you. The mission of God is the one that will be broken and humble before him. The one that would cry out. Oh, the one that's raised up in his spirit. Woe to that one. But the one that on the inside has a desperation. God is saying I'm reaching for them. In Luke chapter 15, he talks about this. He talks about the 90 and 9 there, and he talks about how heaven rejoices. He tells us the same story with the, the woman who's searching for the coin that she lost, trying to get it back. And he talks about how the angels rejoice. Oh, what is it, seven billion people in the world, and yet there's one, and all of heaven's like we found them, we got them, they're over here. Oh, You've got to understand your value. Your value and your brokenness and your lost condition when you're found. The, the, the shepherd is searching for you. And that searching comes in many different forms. It sometimes comes through struggle. It sometimes comes through encounters with other people. It sometimes comes through blessings on your life that, that you didn't think was, why did this come my way? Why? Because the God of the universe is saying, one way or another, Sister Dana, I'm going to reach into their life. Oh, they're go we're going to find each other. I I'm doing something here. I want them. I died on a cross for them. Oh, all the history of humanity. I've been striving to get to a cross. And I died there. And I was raised again. And I poured out my spirit because of this one. This one. Reaching. Desperate. 
What do you think if a man had a hundred sheep and one of them go astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine? You know, would you, if you had a hundred sheep, would you be like, well, I think we lost one to the wolves. That's, that's the cost of doing business. That's North America mindset. That's not kingdom mindset. Kingdom mindset is we lost a sheep. Where's that sheep? Something happened. Oh, when you look around and you see that one that was on the seat back there, you begin to notice some differences. Sometimes you feel some things. What, what's happened? Where did they go? Something's not right here. Can, can you see the shepherd? He's got his staff out. The sheep, they're, they're passing under it. He's counting. Like, wait, did I get off a minute here? Like, I've, I've counted. I, I only count 99. Hold on. He's got somebody working with him. Did, did I miscount? Can, can somebody help me out here? I believe we're missing one. Let, let's count again. Something's not right here. In the last two years, we've had the great resignation, and we've had coronavirus, and, and uh, I've, I read some stats that the church and church kingdom in general, I mean the churchdom in general, has lost 30 to 50% of people attending church. Some of you are like, well, the rest might be online. I've done my online church. Some are doing online church today. I'm thankful for online church. We've had those come into this church that first saw us online. I want to have this broadcast over the internet. But we're a community in the body of Jesus Christ. And you can't lay back in your bed in your pajamas and flip on the church service and think that you can continue day after day, year after year, and that is going to be your extent of living for Jesus Christ. Because there's something powerful when the body comes together as a community of believers and we're with each other. And that God begins to walk among us. I'm not saying he didn't touch me at home. I'm not saying I wasn't blessed there. But when I first came back in this building with all the rest of you, I was like, yes. When I've had to travel out of town and, and I get back here, some, I've been like, man, it's just so great. And we'll be on a Wednesday night. And folks are like, all right, we're going to move over to class. And, and I'm like, I've been gone with business. And I'm back at church. It's great to be with my brothers and sisters. Because when we get together, we're not going to be interneting it into heaven. We're not going to YouTube it in the new Jerusalem. <laughs> no, we're going to be together. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Jesus put them together in an upper room. And he's called us together. And so when you see all this church attendance drop off, we were in a, at a church yesterday with the Bible quiz tournament. That church is being rented from a, I believe it was either a Lutheran church or not quite sure, but it's being rented. Why? Because that church went from 700 to 400 to well less than 100 as they seen coronavirus sweep through and they said, hey, we can't even take care of this building anymore. Would, do you want, you want the building? We'll rent it to you for now. Because people have decided that there's things out there that they, they're more concerned about long term than their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm telling you, church, is the body of Christ. Look at the sheep. 
Because there's those that are missing. And now it's not just one or two or three or four. But there's so many who during this time have decided I'm going to walk out on biblical truth. You know I struggled with that for years. But now I don't have anybody else around me to notice that I'm changing. So I'm just going to give up and throw in the towel and live a different way. Pray for that lost sheep. Reach into that lost sheep. Jesus is desperate for them. He cares about them. He's not like, see, I told you so. I knew they weren't into this business. No, he's reaching. Somebody has gone astray. And so we see that Jesus Christ on Calvary, he gave all that we might be saved. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, but made himself of no reputation. What did he do? He humbled himself. And took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. The creator of the universe gave all for you. He gave all for one. And so that brings us back to where we started. Because Jesus here immediately goes from this story of the lost sheep. And he comes over and he tells his disciples. He says, moreover, so in verse 14 he says, even so, is it not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish? We read verse by verse. We separate stories. We got our little ones as a child story. We got our lost sheep story. And oh, we have this forgiveness thing. We have church business. Then we have, okay, how many times should I forgive? This is all together. It's right here for a reason. And Jesus says, even so, is it not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish? Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. This passage where Peter followed up with, how many times should I forgive? And, 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 and if two agree as touching anything, this thing on the ecclesia wasn't for us to be all proud that we have authority as the body of Jesus Christ but it was about reaching somebody else. What Jesus was saying here is I gave all for one and I'm asking you to give all for one. And in a year where we're celebrating and where we're proclaiming all are called, I am telling you today, Church of Omaha, all of you are called to reach one. Jesus Christ who gave all is saying I want all of you to be desperate for that one. If one offends you. Oh you know what this is. This is humility again. Where he first said. If somebody out there will become as a child. He's reaching and searching. Oh he, what he's telling us today. Is he's saying hey. You know what. Um, I call him Grampy. But Sal brother Sal. You know, you know what. If, 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 if I've offended you. If, if sister Dana offended you. And she's not over here all humble about it. She's like, you know what? He was a real jerk. 
and, and she's really gotten in there and done something wrong towards you, he's saying, hey, church, church, will you be humble? Will you look at her? And you'll say, no, I need her to be saved. Will you be willing to put down your pride? Will you be willing to put down I'm right? And will you come to her, not to embarrass her in front of anybody, not to, to make her be a spectacle, but to get one-on-one -on -one and say, Sister Dana, this is a real problem. And, and I needed to come to you about it. Why? Not because you want to be self-righteous, but because you know this is going to cost her her life. And are you willing to give up in your life to save her? Are you willing to do that? And so this title, All for One, Oh, Ecclesia, Oh, Church of Omaha, are you willing as believers in Jesus Christ filled with His Spirit, baptized in His name, His mark of approval is on your life. Are you willing to give all, as all of the Church of Omaha, willing for one? All are called. And we've told you in these last couple weeks that the calling of God is on each one of your lives. And that you're becoming more and more like Him. But I really felt, as I looked at this today and as I cried out to God, God, does somebody out there hear me? God loves you and He's reaching for you. And will I be willing to reach for you too? Will I be willing to look past the wide spectacle of the world? Will I be willing to look past my offenses and my struggles? And will I look and say, okay, can I reach somebody? I'm not talking that somebody made fun of your clothes that day. If you're asking to get together with the church body because somebody made fun of your clothes, this is not what this passage is talking about. All right? This isn't because you're like, you know what? Why did they eat so many onions and then come talk to me? This is not the kind of offense we're talking about. This, this isn't, oh, you know what? They get under my skin and I'm going to just let them know. No. This is you. If you realize there's a problem, you need to find a brokenness in prayer. And you need to get alone with God. And you need to talk to God and say, God, there's something here. Help me out here. So you can go and talk to your brother and sister. It's not to be meant to be gossip corner over here. It's meant to say, God, we got to save them. What is this? This is getting the focus off you and onto the call of Jesus Christ, onto the mission of God. And the mission of God is each each one. I, I look at this parable of the lost sheep. And I see this, this God calling for humility. And then I see him say lost sheep. And I think, wait a second. If they're lost, or if one's going astray, then are they humble? I, really? If, if I'm deciding that I don't want to be in church anymore, or I'm drawn to something over here, then am I a humble child? And yet that's what Jesus has put together as his parable. He's saying we need to come become as little children. And that he wants to reach that humble child. And then he says, and if you see one going astray, aren't you going to go out after him? Oh, you know what that tells me? 
You may have made some wrong decisions and you may have got yourself turned around, but that doesn't mean that you can't go ahead and say, help me, Jesus, and that He's looking for you. And you might be sitting on this pew today, and yet you got twisted around in your mind yesterday. Or you've been struggling with the church in general. And I'm just wanting to give you that call today that God has called you. He's placed His stamp on your life. He's desperate for you. And if you'll get your eyes off of, am I right or wrong? And you'll just say, Jesus, I want you. I want you. And you'll put your eyes on Him and begin to see His glorious face. You'll see that He's been reaching. Could we go ahead and stand to our feet? And not only has Jesus been reaching... But if you're listening online or you're in this building today, I want you to know that the church of Omaha is desperate for you. Jesus is desperate for you and the church of Omaha is desperate for you. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us was turned to our own ways and the iniquity of us all was laid on Him. We are no better than the rest of you. But as much as God has loved us, He has loved you. And so if you would close your eyes today, and wherever you're at, reach your hands towards heaven. Jesus is reaching for you. And your brothers and sisters at the Church of Omaha are reaching for you. You matter in the kingdom of God. Oh, we will rejoice with heaven as you come back into His fold. Oh, heaven and the kingdom is reaching for you in the middle of whatever your struggle is that you're going through. Go ahead and turn your eyes towards heaven. Look into his glorious face because the great shepherd of your soul is calling you. You matter. You matter. One and seven billion people and you are matter. You're worth everything to him. He gave all for you. The church has been made here for you. Everything, all for one. Oh, God, reach into lives. Pull today, God. Bring back, heal, save, and deliver. Help us, oh, God, to humble ourselves under your hand. Oh, God, to remember where you brought us from. Oh, God, to return, Lord, to your calling and your purpose. To return to an understanding, God, that you are desperate for us. And you see and you believe in us, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, oh God. And we give you glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Humble yourself under the hand of God. Forgive those that have offended you. Reach out after them. Get into a place of prayer. Fight for their soul. And understand not only are they called, you're called. And when you're struggling, Jesus is desperate for you. The church is desperate for you. So whether you're here or there, God is reaching all for one. God bless you. We'll see you in here in, in 10 minutes, and we're going to have church.